I am so blessed about what God is doing in our midst. Are you glad that you're a Christian? Are you thankful that he hears and answers our prayers? Aren't you thrilled that you have access to the throne room of grace? That we can draw nigh because of the blood of the Lamb. I'm thrilled that I've been washed in the blood. I know that I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I know that it's not of my righteousness, but it is is of His. Amen. So tonight we are going to talk about coming boldly. Not coldly, coming boldly to the throne room of grace. So let's get right into the word and let's look over here at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I'm going to be looking at a a lot of the passages out of the New King James and the Amplified versions tonight. So we'll start with the New King James here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Say it again. Say it a little bit more boldly. Boldly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We had an awesome seminar with Reverend Tony Cook. What what rich teaching on grace. So we're not going to expound on that tonight. But what we're going to center in, in on is boldly. And I want to just give you some definitions of that word. In the Greek, the word is... P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A, if you want to know. And this is what it means. Freely, with assurance, fearless confidence. And then I saw this definition for the first time yesterday in Strong's. I'd never had seen this one and I loved it. Cheerful courage. Isn't that good? Cheerful courage. No, I did not say tearful drama. I said cheerful courage. We're not supposed to come to the throne room just, oh, dear God, help. Whatever am I going to do? Oh, God, I don't know if you're going to hear me. Lord, I'm so unworthy and just crying and belly aching and just feeling so intimidated that we that we feel like we don't belong Of course there's a time to come before God and just pour your heart out. I'm not saying we never weep in his presence. I weep in his presence where you just come and maybe you're facing difficulty. Lord, I don't know what to do with this situation. And you just lay before him and pour your heart out. But when you are coming to request something from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you know that your petition is based, upon the word of God you don't have to crawl into the throne room and be full of fear you don't have to approach that place that you have been able to draw nigh to because of the blood of the lamb you don't have to approach the throne of grace afraid of being rejected 
or afraid that God's not going to hear you or that he doesn't care or uncertain of the outcome. That's what I'm talking about. We don't come tearfully. We don't come feeling like we don't belong. We belong there. You know, when you know that you have a relationship with somebody, you can boldly approach them. I've been married to this wonderful man of God on the front row for 34 years. Yay. Amen. That's something in and of itself. Give me a hand clap. No, not really. (laughs) But because I know him. And because I am in, I am secure in my love for him and that he loves me. I don't have to go for days and try to build up enough courage to ask him if I can go to the grocery store and buy groceries. I don't have to just fret and be worried and be concerned. You know, if I want to go shopping, hey, I got the checkbook. You know what I'm saying? But anyhow, <laughs> because we are in relationship. And when we know our father and we are assured of his love, how are we supposed to approach him? These words just defined it for us freely, fearlessly, confidently, courageously, and cheerfully, cheerfully, courageous. Don't you love that? That means that you are happy because you know that he's going to hear and answer your prayer. You know that when you come, the answer is not going to be, be you unworthy worm. You don't deserve this. Get out of here. You keep bugging me for stuff. Don't you know that I'm busy? No, we come cheerfully, even though our situation might not be a happy one at the moment, but we can come happy and full of joy because we know he's going to hear and answer our prayer. Amen. And when we come, not only do we come, we come boldly, but we don't come arrogantly. There's a difference between being bold and being arrogant. Arrogant is a work of the flesh. Arrogance is really just being rude and thinking that, you you know, you're so important and, and people should do this for you and do that for you. It's a work of the flesh. But boldness is an attribute of the spirit. It comes from being filled with God, having knowledge of his word and being empowered with the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us boldness. So don't come to the throne room of grace in arrogance. Walk up there you know, Hey, it's me, God, you know, God, you know who I am. You know, I deserve all of this. And you have this attitude of God, do you know who I am? I deserve this. You know what? He might speak back to you and say, I sure do know who you are fool. And you ain't getting nothing. It's not in and of our flesh. God knows in our flesh, we ain't all that. But he doesn't look at us through eyes of our flesh. I ought to get an amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank thank you, Jesus, on that one. He's not looking at us through us. He sees us in Christ. Without him, 
We are nothing. But thank God we're in him. And that's how God sees us. In Jesus Christ, we have been made righteous. And when you know that you are the righteousness of God, like it says over in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I'll just quote it. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew? No sin that we might be made. Does anybody know what the rest of it says? The righteousness of God in him. What's righteousness? Righteousness is just simply right standing with God. But I like this scripture that talks about when you know what you are righteous, how you are going to act. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1 in the Amplified. Am I looking at some righteous people in here tonight? Not in our works, but in what he's done. Hallelujah. Simple truth, but it is so profound. Do you know how many Christians have no idea? That they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I say pretty much all of my life. And I remember I was in my early 20s. Or maybe well like 20, 21 years old. When I heard that for the first time. That I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'd read that scripture. But it really never dawned on me what it meant. Because literally a lot of churches teach people that they are un worthy worms and that you don't deserve God's grace and mercy. Of course we don't deserve it. It's not of works. We don't deserve anything, but he didn't expect us to deserve it. It's a free gift. Hallelujah. That he has bestowed upon us, but it takes a lot of renewing of the mind for many people to get past the fact That I am not an unworthy worm. I am not an old sinner. I was an old sinner. Sure, we all were. But now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a brand new creation. And I am worthy of His love. Hallelujah. But this scripture here in Proverbs 28, verse 1 in the Amplified, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the uncompromisingly righteous are what? Are scared? Are scaredy cats? Are afraid of everything? No, the righteousness. The uncompromisingly, that's important, uncompromisingly righteous are bold as a lion. Did you know that you're hooked up with the lion of the tribe of Judah? Hallelujah. And he gives us courage. He's a lot more courageous than a lion in the Wizard of Oz. He's the true lion of the tribe of Judah. And he endues us and he empowers us with strength, with ability. He gives us that power to stand upon the word of God, to stand in the face of opposition to take authority over the devil. 
The devil will rise up his ugly head. And the Bible says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion. But the difference between him and the true lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus whipped that lion. Jesus pulled his teeth out. What's he going to do? Gum you to death? Don't be afraid. Of that liar and that roar. His roar is much bigger than his bite. He can't bite you. Jesus has taken that bite away. Jesus has taken that sting away. He's been conquered by the true lion. And we're to be bold in the fact that Jesus has made us more than conquerors. Anybody in here more than a conqueror tonight? Hallelujah. Anybody in here know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You got right standing. You've been made an heir, a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. All that he has promised is yours by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Woo. I'm happy. Are you happy about that? Not only as the righteousness of God can we come boldly to the throne room of grace, but when we are endued with this power, we are given the ability to speak boldly. Speak boldly the word of God. Yeah, I need a drink of water. <laughs> water boy, okay. <laughs> Anyway, another definition of the word boldly that we didn't read yet is unreserved utterance. Unreserved utterance. Freedom to speak. Did you know that you are free to speak the word of God? Unreserved utterance. Hallelujah. We want to look over in the book of Acts tonight. I was just saw something yesterday and I was just blessed by this. We want to look at Acts chapter four, but let me give you a little bit of a background here in Acts chapter four is the account when Peter and John had been arrested and they had been arrested because they had healed the man at the gate called beautiful, the lame man. They had walked past him. Of course, he asked him for silver and gold. They said, silver and gold that we don't have, but such as we have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, you think people would have been happy about that. And that man certainly was happy about it. But the religious leaders of that day got all stirred up because they were teaching and they were preaching and they were healing in the name of Jesus. So they found them and they threw them into jail. And let's look down here at verse 14 of Acts chapter 4. Again, we'll look at this in the New King James. I'll get over there myself. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that powerful? They saw something 
on them. They saw the anointing of God. And even though they didn't agree with what they were doing, they took note and they said, they must have been with Jesus. They're one of his followers. Wouldn't it be good today if people identified us just by what they saw in our lives, by what they heard us say without us even having to give them a long Bible study that they said, whoo, they must be Christians. Whoo, they must be one of his. I can tell they've been with Jesus. There's something different on them than is on the people in the world. They're not all worried. They're not all anxious. They're not all uptight. They're full of peace. The peace of God that passeth all understanding is upon them. There's something different about them. People ought to know us by our fruit. They ought to know us by our lifestyle. They ought to be able to identify we have been with Jesus and we have been with Jesus. So anyhow, they recognized on them that something had changed in them. They, something had charged them. Just think about Peter, just a few days before, had denied the Lord. He was the one that couldn't even say to a little girl, yes, I'm one of his disciples. What in the world brought the change into Peter's life that here in Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders were saying, we got to take note. He's been with Jesus. Look at that boldness operating in their lives. What brought that kind of change? Well, that kind of change happened because of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost and those 120 in that upper room, it brought power into their lives. It brought change into their lives. One day, he's Peter the denier, but then he had an encounter with the Holy Ghost and fire and he changed in to Peter the prophesier. If you're in this place tonight and you're wishy-washy in your walk with the Lord and people are not saying, I can see the boldness of God in your lives. In other words, they might be saying, whoo, if they find out you're a Christian, whoo, I'm surprised. I would have never guessed it. You know what? That's not a compliment. If people would never guess it and be shocked and surprised to learn that you are a believer, they need to see something on us. If you're not walking in that boldness, perhaps you need to make a journey to the upper room. You don't have to literally go over to Israel, go to Jerusalem, and go to the upper room. The upper room is a significant symbol of getting filled, getting endued with power from on high. Filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues will change you into another person. So his boldness was in manifestation. And they had divine utterance. But not only did they see something upon you. I submit to you, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them and gave them boldness to speak. I just started doing a little search yesterday in the book of Acts alone. After they got filled with the Holy Ghost, the words bold, boldly, and boldness occur nine times. 
That's pretty amazing to me. Nine times there's references to them speaking the word of God with boldness. And almost every one of these references to these words has to do with them preaching the gospel. Them standing up in the face of opposition and boldly declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Them giving testimony and them giving witness that he is the true and the living God. And they had a lot of opposition. They weren't freely received everywhere that they went. But they didn't cow down because of opposition. They didn't run in fear. The Bible tells us over and over again. They spoke the word of God with boldness. We all of us are called to speak the word of God with boldness. Certainly not. Are all of us going to stand behind a pulpit? We don't all have an utterance gift as it were to preach the gospel, but every single one of us have got that divine ability to share our testimony, to share the goodness of God, to give proof, to give evidence of what the Lord has done for me. Has the Lord done anything for you? Do you know that there are people that will come into the kingdom of God just by you saying, God is good. Let me tell you what God has done for me. God is my prince of peace. I know there's a lot of people that are nervous and anxious and upset, but I'm not like that because Jesus lives on the inside of me. Anybody can tell, anybody can share what God has done in their lives. Really, you can take these tracks that we have now. They're amazing. One side is Spanish. One side is English. You can pass those out on BART. You can pass those out to people that you meet. God wants us to be witnesses for him. He wants us to boldly declare the word of truth. We don't need to be ashamed. I, I just don't, I hate that, that Christians so often are ashamed to be identified with the Lord. Think about what he went through. Our attitude ought to be like it says in Romans chapter one. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God over in the book of Joel chapter 2 it goes through all these things of restoration and it keeps repeating my people shall never be ashamed doesn't mean that you're going to be at work and you're going to jump up on your desk and get a magnaphone and say you filthy dirty sinners you're all going to hell if you don't repent today but it does mean that we are not going to cow back it doesn't mean that we are going to we're not going to be wimps we are not ashamed of the gospel of the lord jesus christ i was reminded of this little cartoon thing that I saw with the kids, you know, we're, we're in with Livy. We're in that Mickey Mouse phase. They are season passes. I went to Disneyland when I was down there on Friday. So, you know, it's Mickey Mouse this, Mickey Mouse that. But we saw this little cartoon thing. And in this thing, this person is coming against them. This giant, I don't know what his name was. This giant is, is giving them, he's harassing them. And so Minnie Mouse gets in Mickey Mouse's face and she says, are you going to stand up to him? Are you a man or a mouse? 
And, you know, I thought that could be a trick question for him because he's sort of both. But, you know, she was wanting him to stand up and be a man. And I'm looking around in here and I do not see any Mickey Mouse ears. So there are no mice in this place. You're not a mouse. You're not a whip. You are a man. You are a woman of God. Stand up. For righteousness sake, our nation needs prayer. People in the world need God. I'm telling you that people's hearts are hungry. I know there's a side that seems like people are calloused and they don't want to hear the gospel, but we're not going to live over there. We're going to go after the fish that are hungry. Hallelujah. There were some fish that came into the boat right here yesterday and there's a whole lot more. And I believe it that God's anointing all of us to be fishers of men. He's going to show us the right kind of bait. He's going to show us how to have influence and how to reach our family and our friends. Just think about it. You don't want people that are in your life. You don't want them to go to hell. And on the other side, I just on the other side of the coin, there's people in here that you have been compromising. You've been hiding who you really are. You don't want people to know that you're a Christian. There are folks in your life that have silenced your witness and have caused you to compromise. But the Holy Ghost is speaking to some people tonight and he's saying this. It's a strong word. But he is saying those people are not worth going to hell for. And on the other side, If you don't stand up and be the light that you are supposed to be, some of them may go to hell because you didn't witness. Our lives are the only Bible that some people will ever read. And I know that no one's heart in here is to see people go to hell. But God needs you. To let your light shine. He needs you to be a bold witness. We're not all going to go out on the streets and confront people and get in their face. I realize that. But he will give you open doors. He will give you avenues. And be keen to grab that opportunity when it is set before you. To say the right thing at the right time. We love people. We want, we want them to know God. But you know what? I want the people of God to be bold. I want you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. To know what you have. As a matter of fact, I think this is a good prayer that we could pray over ourselves and pray over our congregation. Let's go back to Acts chapter 4. Well, I guess we never left there. Acts chapter 4, down at verse 23, the heading in my Bible, it says, A prayer for boldness. Peter and John had been threatened, but they let them go. And when they let them go, in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priest And the elders had said unto them. So once they were let go, they ran to this place where they had like-minded believers and they had a prayer 
meeting. And in this prayer meeting, they weren't rehearsing all the terrible things that the devil had done. They didn't talk about all his power. They didn't say, poor old me. They began to magnify God. And they began to talk about his greatness and how he had delivered the children of Israel. And they were getting God to get bigger in their thinking than the problem and the accusations and the threats. And it was a powerful time. Now look on down here, verse 24. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to us the ability to get out of Dodge. No, grant to your servants that with all what? All what? All what? With all boldness that they may speak your word. And then they go on and they say, by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So here they are. God, give us boldness. And then, Lord, we know that you're going to help us. You're going to grant us signs and wonders. There's going to be healing that is in manifestation. And look what the result was of their prayer there in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke The word of God with boldness. That prayer meeting was so powerful that the place began to shake. We need some of those kind of prayer meetings where the place literally shakes and where the people are changed and oppression is shaken off of their lives. Just think about that. That anointing and the presence of God so powerful that the building began to shake. Well, you know what happens in an atmosphere like that? Signs, wonders, miracles, healings, deliverance, people get set free. We're calling on that to happen as we go into this season of prayer and fasting. We are believing for signs and wonders. We're believing for Jesus to stretch forth his hand and to heal. When Jesus stretched forth his hand to heal, you know whose hand he's going to use? He's going to use your hand. He's going to use my hand because he lives in us. Everybody take your hands like this and say, in these hands, There's healing power. And I'm going to be bold to stretch it forth and let it flow in the name of Jesus. Now, just think about that. That power so strong and so tangible. Think, just think even here in our midst when people come to services and they are delivered from drug addiction. They are delivered from all sorts of bondages. Those that have medical science has said, we can't do any more from you for you. Just think about it. They come into the midst where the power of God is in manifestation and they are healed. They are healed from terminal illness. They are healed from cancer. Yes, they are healed from AIDS. We're not against that group of people. 
We want the hand of God to be extended to them. We want them to be delivered. We want them to be set free. We want them to be healed. Hallelujah. Just think about that. When people's lives make a complete turn, when they come out of darkness into light, and I mean people that have been so far away from God that others have said there's no hope for them. They'll never change. They'll never be healed. They'll never be delivered. They'll never get their lives together. But I'm declaring tonight one encounter with the power of the living God. One building, shaking, life changing experience will change them. Hallelujah. Nothing's too difficult for our God. Nobody is too far gone. Nobody is in too deep of a pit that the love of God doesn't reach down and pull them out. How many of you are in a pit? How many of you are far away from God? Well, look what the Lord has done in your life. What he's done for us, he will do for others. If we'll believe him for it, we're going to speak. The word of God boldly. We're going to pray boldly. And God's going to do his part. Just think about it. When people's lives are turned around like that. Do you think that they're going to get up and testify? Do you think that they'll tell their friends? Do you think that they'll tell their relatives about the goodness of God? About the life-changing power of God? For many years now, on different occasions when the Spirit of God prompts us in our prayer meetings, we prayed for notable salvations. You know, we want notable miracles, but I'm telling you, you get notable salvations You get somebody that's the head of a gang. You get somebody that's bound by homosexuality. You get a public official, a politician. Ooh, dear God, that would be huge. You get a crooked politician born again and turned around. Woo, hallelujah. Think of the revival that could cause. Glory to God. Notable salvations. People of influence. People that are up in the public eye getting born again and declaring, God has changed my life. Folks, it'll cause revival to break out. It'll spread. So as God prompts you, you join us in praying that notable salvations. There's nobody that's less or more important to God, but there are people of influence that will impact others and there'll be like a ripple effect. And we are praying for that. Hallelujah. Well, if we are bold enough to ask and to pray and we are willing to speak boldly, then he will grant unto us unreserved utterance with signs following I want to look at one other account in the book of Acts where that happened. Acts chapter 14. Everybody still here? Is anybody else like really hot or is it just me? Okay. All right. (laughs) Holy Ghost and fire. All right. The anointing. Acts chapter 14. This is an account where Paul and Barnabas went over to a city called Iconium. And this was a tough crowd. And it was a difficult place. But they had been given testimony. They'd been there for a while. Things were starting to happen. People were getting born again. But let's look here in verse 3. 
or actually let's look at verse two first. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. That isn't a good situation when people are supposed to be on your side are against you and start poisoning other people and all of that stuff. But look what happened in verse 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace. Now look what happened, because they stayed and they endured difficulty and they kept speaking the word of God. What did He do? He granted them signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Folks, some of you might be facing some opposition. You may be having people talk about you. You might be feeling like you're the only Christian in your family or your place of employment. But I want you to know tonight, you are not alone. We don't have to face these difficulties by ourselves. We don't have to combat the devil's lies in our own reasoning and in our own ability. People's opposition that comes against us. We don't have to try to figure out how to deal with that. God is with you. God is in you. God is for you. And God has given you overcoming power. We are not alone. Aren't you glad about that? Pastor Tom, when he prayed over the offering, he actually quoted this scripture. And I want to look at it here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 of Hebrews 13. We won't look at that one per se, but the last part of it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think we ought to shout right there. Woo! But the next verse in the Amplified, Hebrews 13, 6, in the Amplified, I love this. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Everybody say that. The Lord... The Lord, say it together. The Lord is my helper. Everybody say it again. The Lord is my helper. You and I, we have heaven's help. Hallelujah. We are not alone. We don't have to walk through this life and figure out things by ourselves. The Lord is my helper. Then look at the rest of this. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me. Right there, you got to shout again. I'm telling you all these verses make me shout. The Lord is my helper. Woo! I am not seized with alarm. I am not terrified. We don't have to be terrified of terrorists. In the name of Jesus, we need to boldly declare no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. No weapon formed against our nation is going to prosper. We need to begin to pray over our leaders. God, give them boldness to stand up 
for righteousness sake. God, give them boldness not to bow down to terrorists, not to give in to intimidation and all of that stuff, but let them stand strong on the principles that our nation was founded upon. I will not be terrified. We will not give in to terrorists in the name of Jesus. They are defeated. We are bold to say the Lord is my helper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Man cannot hurt me and man cannot harm me as long as I abide in the secret place of the Most High. As long as I make him my refuge. As long as I declare, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my help. Hallelujah. Declare the word. Speak the word. And you know what speaking words of faith do? It casts fear out of our lives. I will not be seized with fear. I will not be terrified. I know things are going on in the world, but I know who I am and I know whose I am. And I know that the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my provider. I'm praying for the economy. We're believing that it's going to turn around, but regardless of what happens in the economy, I will not fear. I will not be terrified of bad news because my heart is fixed. My heart is established. My heart is settled. That's Psalms 112. It talks about my heart is fixed. My heart is settled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will not be afraid of bad news. You know why we don't have to be terrorized and be afraid of bad news? We got the good news. We've got the good news. And we know the author that wrote this good news. And he is what? He is our helper. He is our refuge. You know, on a personal note, it is time for us to rise up and declare that the enemy is defeated. And take comfort. Don't you like how that said that? Take comfort and be encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I want you to be encouraged tonight. I want you to go from this place confident and boldly declaring the Lord is my helper and boldly saying, I've got the greater one on the inside of me and boldly saying, I can give testimony. I can have unreserved utterance. I am fearless. I am full 
of faith. I am confident in the Lord my God. I am assured that He loves me. And because I'm so assured in that love, I'm going to come boldly to the throne room of grace. Hallelujah. Whatever I need, the Lord is my supplier. The Lord is my helper. Hallelujah. Nothing can harm me. Nothing can hurt me. And then remember this. Coming boldly means cheerful courage. Cheerful courage. So when we come into the presence of God, you might not feel all that cheerful when you first come before the throne room. But I guarantee you, according to the word of God, if you will hang out in the presence of almighty God, Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And you will go away cheerful. You'll have cheerful courage to face whatever comes your way because you know the Lord is on your side. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. We bless your name. Glory be to God. Hallelujah.